When I left the church behind in my early 20s, resurrection was one of the reasons. I was taught in my Southern Baptist church that Jesus' resurrection made Christianity unique. But in my religious studies classes in college, I learned that someone rising from the dead and giving his followers the gift of eternal life wasn't unique or unprecedented. The Hellenistic urbanites to whom Paul preached were very familiar with this trope. Orpheus, who went to the underworld and came back. Isis, who gathered the scattered pieces of her husband Osiris and brought him back to life. Dionysus, who was torn apart by the Titans, but then brought back to life by his mother Rhea. These figures were central to some of the many secret societies or mystery religions that flourished in Paul's time. By being initiated into the group's mysteries, sometimes by baptism, a devotee could share the hero's conquest of death. Not only was I disillusioned about the claim that Jesus came back to life and that this was unique, but I could also no longer celebrate the idea that I would be resurrected. It seemed to me that imagining a life beyond death was simply wish fulfillment. People unable to face their mortality chose simply to deny it. I saw the terrible consequences of this idea all around me. Everywhere I looked, Christians were acting like this life only mattered insofar as you said the magic words at some point that would get you to the next. I heard people singing, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. And it didn't sound at all like good news. If I'm just passing through, then I'm not obliged to take care of anything here or to make it any better. Against the infinite horizon of eternity, the value of anything finite on earth shrinks to zero. Now I know you're thinking that Greg and Peggy exercised tremendous judgment in asking this person to preach today on these texts about <coughs> resurrection. A very chill, very normal decision. But I'm grateful to them because I get to share with you my road back to resurrection as the center of my Christian faith. Not back to that resurrection I was taught growing up, the one where we all tap our toes impatiently waiting for eternity to start, but back to the resurrection that Job demands, that David looked forward to, and that Jesus lives out. I've had a really great time teaching Job in the past couple of decades because it's one of those wild parts of the Bible that doesn't say anything like what you were taught about it in Sunday school. Like the part we read for today, I know my Redeemer lives and that he will at last stand upon the earth. My mentor, Norb Shedler, of blessed memory, used to get all up in students' faces about this very passage. That word Redeemer that's translated that way in most of our Bibles, we think it might really be a legal term. It's someone who stands up for the victim in court, a prosecutor. Norb would joyfully shout out his own paraphrase. Job is saying, 
I know that my lawyer will stand up for me, even after you kill me, God. And by the way, that part in Job that comes right after that, um, if that's confusing, you're not alone. Job says that he will see God in my flesh. But if you read the notes on your Bible, you might find it says, maybe it says without my flesh or from my flesh. And he says, I'll see God on my side, but maybe that should read for myself. The manuscripts we have of this book are all over the place. They can't figure out what this part is saying. And that may be because of what we see in the gospel. The Sadducees and the Pharisees in Jesus' day are at each other's throats about whether there will be a resurrection. Sadducees say no, Pharisees say yes. This little passage in Job is contested. And it looks like the people copying it have messed with it to discredit one or the other group. So now we can't tell what it might originally have said. But Job didn't say this to score points in an argument about whether humans get brought back to life. What he's saying is that his claim on God for justice will live on. He says his cause will not die with him. He says that even after he's no longer alive to see it, the quest to finally establish his innocence in public, where all will be a witness, even the God who attacked him, will continue and will be successful. What Job demands is vindication, even beyond where it will personally do him any good. And in that vindication, Job will live on. If not as a conscious subject, then at least as an agent of further justice. Because we are all changed because of Job's ongoing life beyond his physical death. Job demanded a resurrection in the form of a final just verdict, which will transform his name and transform his story for us. When I left the church all those years ago, one reason was because I was unable to believe in an eternal life in heaven that makes all the stuff on earth not matter. And that is exactly the unbelievable thing that the Sadducees posed Jesus as a trap. They placed Jesus among the Pharisees because he talks about the resurrection. And that's correct, by the way. Uh, Rabbi Danya Rutenberg has a great Twitter thread on Jesus as a Pharisee. Look that up. And then they say, in your resurrection, Pharisee Jesus, some or all of these marriages must not matter. That eternal life you believe in must erase the significance of what happens in our mortal life. And to the Sadducees, that's a slam dunk argument against the resurrection. What does Jesus answer to this? He says, it's not the past self that lives on in the resurrection. You're missing the point. It's the possibilities for that self continuing to make a difference in the future. 
The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the God that resurrects their transformed names and stories to change our possibilities right now. Jesus says, I'm living out the resurrection right now because I claim the God of these living patriarchs and matriarchs as my God. I claim the power by whom Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob, Leah, and Rachel are still active agents in the world. I claim that power as my God. Jesus says, all of us, resurrection believers and skeptics alike, are changed because of their ongoing life beyond their physical death. Last night I went to the all-region choir concert and the treble choir sang a spiritual called Ain't No Grave. I had never heard this spiritual before. The treble choir tore that place down. I am surprised that the roof of the Maumel High Auditorium isn't in Mayflower right now. Ain't No Grave can hold my body down. Ain't No Grave can keep this sister underground. And I wanted to leap up and shout amen like I was back in that Baptist church. Because no grave can keep us down if God wants to keep using us. We will go on witnessing to the living God because our God is the God of the living, not the dead. Amen.